everybody, Julie Murphy here and Awaken Your Relationships. Here we go again, another week because we work things out or we act it out and we do it through our money, through our health and through our relationships. And I am Julie Murphy, the money chick. And you're wondering why am I doing a relationship video? Well, because we work things out and we act it out through our money, through our health and our relationships. I have found that when I help people with their money, all of a sudden, financially, everything gets aligned and then they get divorced and half their money goes out the door or, you know, they wind up losing their job and then they don't. So it's all correlated. And so um, Rita and I have been doing this for a while now and uh, we want to help you elevate in all areas of your life, not just the money and not just the relationships. And we have to understand this correlation between the two. So Rita, welcome again. Yay! <laughs> and I want to remind everybody to hit that notification bell because you'll know then every time that we get on here and subscribe and like this so that we can help more people in the world. And we would appreciate that very much so. And today we wanted to talk about how do you trust again? Whoo! That's a biggie. You know, that's a biggie because, you know, at this stage in most women's lives, they've had a few relationships underneath their belts. Just a couple. <laughs> and they've had, they've had people really hurt them, you know, and be insensitive yeah. and be thoughtless and be self-absorbed and be narcissistic. Right. And yeah. it's, um, it's hard to trust in a spiritual path mm. when it's not as concrete as we would like. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't give us. Definitely not concrete. <laughs> instant results. You know, you have right. to walk a path of spirit and health and healing and self-care and openness and vulnerability for a, a long time before yeah. you get to the point where you say, okay, this was probably worth it. So one of the things that I've noticed in my own journey is that the way you trust again is actually only doing the things that align with your heart. Yes, because it's if you actually start making yourself vulnerable for repeating your patterns when you actually negotiate yourself away and you don't trust your knowing and you don't follow your own heart, that's when it starts to break down. Mm -hmm. And I remember as I started stepping out in the game, you know, after being with somebody for 17 years and all of a sudden I'm going, was well, this kind of fun in your 40s? You know, like get out there and do it again. And it was like, Oh, but you attract the same person with the same stuff if you've not done your work in the inside. Mm -hmm. And so it is. And, and when you start to hold those boundaries to break those patterns, you kind of at least this was for, true for me that you kind of sit there and go, whoa, like you're almost waiting for like a reaction or almost like, ah, <laughs> because of the uh, history that you have and your physiology responding to that history. Oh yeah. And so, and that's a really hard part because when you start to hold boundaries, it's not all, you know, cakes and cookies and, and unicorns. It, <laughs> your body wants mm. to run as fast as it can in the opposite direction, or it wants yeah. to punch somebody in the face right now. It wants to defend, it wants to run and you're standing there while your cortisol and your adrenaline is rushing through your system. Mm. And you have to stand there and say the thing you wanna say while you're crying, while yeah. you're shaking, while you're peeing yourself. You yeah. have to stand against your own reaction to that insecurity and fear, and that's hard. Mm. 
It's hard. Yeah. And I, I, one of the biggest things that I have worked on is really actually stopping coming from a place of reaction completely. But I had to even <laughs> recognize that my nervous system was even hijacked in the first place. Right. Because we're all like, everybody's got their coffee and their caffeine or their whatever and it gets you going doing your day. You don't realize how that hijacks your nervous system. And then it actually makes it so that you're more reactive, not less reactive. And when I realized that I had to start to create space in my nervous system, which, you know, I wouldn't have thought that five years ago that I needed any space because I'm a go-getter and I went out and did it and I could do a lot and blah, 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 blah. And uh, I had no idea that uh, my feistiness was coming from, you know, not having enough space in my nervous system to come from the place of being the observer to things that were happening as opposed to being the reactor. And that's made a huge difference. And, um, and I think it's important for people to know that that takes time. That doesn't happen overnight, you know. And, and Rita, can you share some of those things that have been the most successful to help people create the space in their nervous system? when it comes to shifting out of reactivity in relationship? Well, the, the first thing is to start a, a ritual every day mm. if you can, where you have space. You know, and a lot of women will say, I don't have time for that. I don't know where I'll, I'll fit it in. And so we start talking about, well, during the day, what time would you have time to listen to this music, you know, right. or wash dishes or, or get grounded, you know, do something that's in a more meditative state. And we usually find right. it and then after they're doing that for a couple weeks they'll never give it up again yep so yeah and you know important. what that's true well and and you know i'm a mom of four i run a business um you know i'm busy right very busy and uh there have been some resources that um i remember telling people like i don't really have the time exactly what you just said is what i used to say um and you know i started my meditation journey back in 2007 so it's been a while and, um, and when you're feisty and your nervous system's hijacked to actually like sit down and be like, you want me to do what, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but I even started with things like, it could be as easy as like a walking meditation outside. It could be, um, I love, um, some of the mind meditation stuff, you know, brainsync.com with Kelly Howell is one of my favorites, you know, to where whatever I was experiencing, whether it was anxiety or can't sleep or whatever. She's got those, you know, MP3s that you can download now. Um, and I'll, I'll put the link below for people on that. Um, and it's just, it, you can put those on as you go to sleep. So you have time to sleep. So you, you can turn these on as you go to sleep and you're going to find that you sleep a hell of a lot better too, which also then calms your nervous system. Right. Uh, the second yeah. thing that's important are boundaries. Because uh, yeah. if you don't defend yourself from everybody wanting little pieces of your time. And if you keep putting everybody else's needs first, and we do it a lot of times because it's safest, you know, yep. you calm them down, then I'll have some space to do something. The problem is, is you're not going to calm them down. <laughs> I finally have gotten to that point where I'm just like, you know what? can't control anybody else but myself. And I just had a pattern I realized this week that was really actually quite fascinating because I've let go of a lot. And, you know, you teach what you've learned, right? And so, you know, I used to exchange money for love. So I was the provider, you know, to get love. And the thing is, is you actually never 
get what your heart desires because it's based on your traumas, right? And um, it's fascinating to me. Like I realized though that I had used the money as a control mechanism and to feel like I was in control because Rita, you've always taught me that, um, you know, there's ways that we, one of the things is trying to control your environment. That's the way we manage stress. And so I realized that, oh, wow, so that the money stuff doesn't fall apart. I try to control the money stuff. And then it was like, oh, yeah, I don't need to control this stuff anymore. I was like, I think my um, my ex felt like he won the lottery because I decided to do him a lump sum payout as opposed to keep paying him over the next 10 years. And I was just like, yeah, I just don't want anything to do with my past anymore. It's, I kind of think of it like a credit card. You know, it's like, yeah, no, here's the lump sum I don't want to be fiscally responsible for you anymore. Best of luck, you know, but I realized there was, it had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with my freedom. It had to do with what was wiring inside of me. It had nothing to do with him. Right. And, um, and it's very interesting and in how, you know, when we look at, you know, the second step of creating boundaries, like, well, you know, when one person's in their stress management system of like, trying to control or entrain other people um, or people please all the lists that you've talked about many times on our show here. Um, it's really fascinating and how, you know, maybe you aren't holding healthy boundaries because you're just trying to manage the stress. Right. Right. And how did you feel when you first thought that you weren't going to pay for something and how somebody might react? Well, I, going back to the topic of today, it's about trust, right? That no matter where it fell, I was going to trust that it was the right thing because I was holding a healthy boundary for myself. Mm -hmm. And, and it was hard, it's hard because, right. So also when you have children, I've heard a lot of women come to me like, well, but I'm staying because of the children and I'm doing this because of the children. And I'm going, you know, on a soul level, our children, I believe, you know, choose their parents and the parents choose the children so that the parents and the children can do their own soul work in this lifetime. And um, I'm regularly communicating to my children going, if they're frustrated with me or they're frustrated with their dad, I just say, well, ask your soul, your higher self, what is it that you're supposed to learn? Because I, I really teach them that if you're triggered in the inside, that means something needs to shift in you. It's not the other person, but so often we think it's the other person. And um, and it's not. And so how did I feel when I did that? You know, um, well, all I know is I felt like the, you know, the shackles came off. And here's what's fascinating to me. In the moment right now, I'm reflecting on this and I'm going, I originally knew I wanted to do that. And I always wanted to figure out a way because I, I don't like debts. I think that you have a challenge financially living in the present moment to create the future that you want if you have all these financial debts from your past. And that includes alimony payments and everything else. Like It doesn't necessarily have to be a credit card or a mortgage debt. It could be alimony payments. It could be owing family money or whatever that is. It's a tough time to create what you want in the present moment when you're paying for everything in your past. And then all you do is keep bringing your past in your present moment and you stay stuck on the hamster wheel of life. And uh, the biggest thing that came to me is that when I was then just letting the chips fall where they may, because I was afraid 
that I used it as a control mechanism to use as leverage for things down the road. And I figured like, that's just perceived leverage. There is no leverage. You have no control over anybody. And zero of this has been conscious, right? And it's like, okay, well, so when I'm doing my work and sitting here going, you know what? Good luck. And then for me, it created this incredible, profound sense of freedom. And, and I've witnessed that with so many people on a financial front that when you can actually like think about how happy somebody is when they pay off their house, pay off their car, pay off their student loans, pay off their credit cards. Nobody's really upset when they do that. They're actually quite giddy <laughs> because you get the shackles off, you know, but you have to trust that what you want to create in the future then still will occur even if you're letting go of your suffering patterns. So let's let's bring it to a different memory. How did you feel when you first walked out and went to a hotel? What was rushing through your body? Well, I was super nervous. <laughs> and that's it. Your body's- It was a boundary, right? Adrenaline. It's pumping you with every yeah. fight or flight chemical it can find. There's no doubt. Um, but I also, uh, once I got to the hotel room, I felt safe. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a bound, it was a physical boundary. Mm -hmm. That time and space just needed to be had for mm -hmm. us to figure things out. Mm -hmm. But women don't give them the, themselves that time and space. They let everybody else dictate their day, dictate their energy, dictate the priorities. Right. And what happens right. is then we lose our greatness. We're not able to do anything because we're pinned down yeah. by who we think we're supposed to be. So that's and like the third thing is that you have to create space. Yes, you do. And creating space, what would you think that are the most common things that in relationships, how many, what do people have to create space for? I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is just to get in tune with yourself. Well, and a lot of women, I work with a lot of women who are in codependent narcissistic relationships. And mm -hmm. one of the first things they need to do is get mad and act on it. Mm. They need to stand up for themselves. We're taught yeah. to figure out how do I get them to calm down? How do I manipulate the situation? How do I get through the day? How do I cope? Please. How do I people please? How do, how do I, I not? How do I not ignite the beast? <laughs> and there's an enormous amount of fear with that. Mm. And so a lot of women that I work with, you know, they run because they don't have the capacity, the physical capacity to stand there. I mean, for me, my body's always been very manipulated by emotions. And so if I'm anxious, you can bet I'm peeing myself. Mm. Guaranteed. So why, why do you think women run and don't step into their power? Because I've been talking about this a lot lately about stepping into financial empowerment. And because I, I, I've always been wired to step into it. And then I had a girlfriend of mine, actually, she um, gave me this um, plaque after she got divorced. Uh, what was on plaque? It was a picture that she put in there and she put the word courage on it. And she said, during her divorce process, I gave her courage because she couldn't believe how I was stepping into things in my divorce process. Um, and and I, I'm just wired that way. But why do we, why do we, why do you feel that most women run and they don't step into their power? I'm, I'm confused about that. And, and ladies, you have to realize 
you, this is not anybody else's issue, but our own. Like if we are able to find that strength inside of us, but why is it that most of us can't? For most women, it's a physical thing. Mm. So let's put it into perspective. Okay. 50% of our trauma happens before the age of eight. How tall are we? How big are we? And we're girls, feminine, in a a masculine society. I mean, we are easily dominated, hence looking at how much silent sex abuse goes on, how much silent child abuse and emotional abuse goes on. You know, and so in this position of being eight years old or younger, you know, women and, and girls at the time, many times their nervous system can't handle the drama that's going on around them. And it creates, yeah. And it creates those markers in their body that takes them right back to the time when their dad Mm. was yelling at them and they thought they'd be homeless on a street corner or they were going to get pregnant and their family would kick them Mm. out. You know, that's a little bit older, but I thought about those things when I was younger, you know, or or that um, they're going to make somebody mad. I mean, I had a brother who lived in a nursing home because he had all of these physical issues. You know, in the back of your mind, you're like, my parents will get rid of me if I screw up. Right. And that's a really deep, deep fear. And so to stand up to somebody who represents to us someone in a position of power or authority, even if it's just emotional authority, even because they're just meaner than we are. Right. It puts us right back to being small to being helpless, which was true at the time. We were small and helpless, but we don't go back and change the outcome. So I had a mentor I worked with and she worked a lot with sexual abuse survivors and um, she would help them recreate the experience, but give them a different ending Hmm. because in their mind, their bodies kept releasing boatloads of adrenaline and boatloads of cortisol. And when you feel that way, all you want to do is fight or run or drug yourself out or hide or people please. And the feeling is so strong. And for women like me to stand the ground when someone is reminding us of everything that terrified us as a child. Right. And, and not run. Our bodies right. are still reacting. You know, we're we're crying, we're peeing ourselves, we're sweating, we're, our hearts are beating so fast. Right. So everything is controlling and pulling you. And to have that kind of a feeling, it's as if your body's just betrayed you. You want to stand up into your power, but you can't because your body won't let you. And so you're Mm. frozen while you're enduring this kind of abuse. You can't move. You can't think. You can't do anything except pray to God that it's over as soon as possible. And when you do start stepping forward and saying things, your body has to release all that energy. Yeah, that's true. Like it, it builds up in layers in our physical system. And that takes time to release because the physical is the last thing to shift. Do you remember when you were in the car that one time and, and you got some very difficult news? It was maybe about a year ago. And you spent at least 45 minutes to an hour shaking. And I got a nosebleed and nosebleed. I uh, got my period two weeks early. <laughs> yes, that was not information I liked. 
yeah, because that was, um, yeah, that was an experience that there was. So despite all the work that I did, it was a deeper layer of it unpacking, if you will. Um, and it healed inside of me. And, you know, what's interesting is that I've learned while I'm on this spiritual path that it's not linear. I think that's the other thing that it's important for people to understand is that sometimes some things happen because shifts need, like, don't necessarily always take everything for face value because there's, there is a higher game going on, if you will. <laughs> and that's where the trust piece came in, you know, that I wanted to talk about today is because when your mind is telling you stand your ground and say what you need to say without losing your mind mm -hmm. and your body is saying, oh my God, we're going to die any second. Yeah. You know, there's this war. And so one of my favorite quotes is speak your truth, even if your voice shakes, hmm. because that's the, that's the, the changing of the tide. But I mean, to go against what feels like forces, that are controlling you to stand up to that takes courage, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because um, like I'll even, so I went through this process where for years I was reactive, right? So I was reactive and then, then I started to not have the reactivity so much, but then I wouldn't have the words, right? Because I was like, okay, I am not reacting, normally would, but then I couldn't find the words because what we realize when we're not speaking our truth, um, we don't know how to. What is our truth? Like, this is what I had a challenge with of what actually is my truth. Right. And because I was, my truth was always uh, through the hourglass of another person. Right. So that my my truth was um, what was going to keep the peace, what was going to. And this is not just in my marriage that I had. This was in every relationship that I had. And I always I realized I always apologized for who I was because who I was made everybody feel uncomfortable around me. And um, I literally said the other day I was at my mom's house and I said, okay, I'm going to try to say this and I'm going to do my best to not be bossy. So no, my intention is that I'd like it to come off. And I go, but I am bossy sometimes. And uh, I mean, my great aunt used to call me mother superior because my she said to me, it was my mom's aunt. She used to say, this girl's going to run a business or something someday because she just takes charge and just goes, goes, goes. And I've been, I've owned a business for 29 years now. <laughs> You know, so we can't inherently change who we are. There's always, you know, a way, a loving way to speak your truth. And that's like building a muscle just like anything else. Right. right. And that's where panic attacks come from is when we're not speaking our truth and our bodies mm. racing and fearful and we can't say anything and we're in lockdown, you know. And right. so very physical things happen when we don't when we're not in a good space mm. and when we don't say the things or do the things that we need to be doing. And, mm. and even if sometimes it looks ugly and that trust is, 
okay, I'm going to say something. Like I remember with my dad, when he was sick, I decided to step up even more. You know, he'd just gotten done with some surgeries and colon cancer during the pandemic. And, you know, I was like, okay, I need to step up a little bit more with my family. And um, we're sitting there and I'm, you know, being more forthright with things. And he says to me, because he's grumpy and in a bad mood, and he can't think and he's overwhelmed and frustrated and foggy from the anesthesia yeah. still. It takes like months for that to go away. Ugh. And um, he says, well, I don't like you very much. Ah. And I come back with, well, thanks. I don't like you very much either. Because I mean, this is the thing I never wanted to hear my dad say, I don't like you very much. Well, I don't like you either. <laughs> then he turns to me and he says, well, I don't love you. <laughs> and so I had to stay present and say, I know you don't mean that. And you're going to regret that. Yeah. You know, but for us to be authentic, there's a lot of pain involved. Yeah. It's like birthing, you know, and your heart's fluttering and sensitive and your eyes tear up and your bladder wants to go and your bowels are letting go and you're sweating profusely and your face is all red. But yet you want to speak your truth and you want to be in your truth and you want to yes. trust again. Right. Yes. And the only way to do that is by finding the courage to to speak it, even though you're sweating and your bladder's leaking yes. and all that other good stuff. Yes, exactly. And what tends to happen is we as women, we will find the courage to speak our truth. And we think to ourselves, oh, my God, I just spoke my truth. And now I'm vulnerable and open. And mm. that's when the other person punches us in the face. They don't know what to do when they're following their old pattern. And, and, and so to step out not only takes a risk, but it's a risk that takes a little time to get the fruit from, you know, yeah. many times you like my dad saying, well, I don't love you. You know, it took him time to calm down. I laughed after that, but it took him time to calm down. It took him time to self-reflect. It took him time to get into a different space where then he could recognize that he was out of line. But many times to step into speaking our truth puts us in, in emotional danger, if not physical danger. Right. Because the person that we love or the person we're in relationship with is now triggered because you just said the thing that they never wanted to hear and they're still on their unconscious pattern and they're going to fight back. It's not right. all it's not all miracles and and bonbons. It, it and then you don't see the change or the difference until the next time. Mm. Then the truth needs to be said. And then you're like, "Oh, they handled it a little bit differently." And I handled it a little bit differently. And then the next time and right. you handle it differently. But it's not like suddenly everything's better because you stepped up. Just because you moved to a hotel room did not mean that your life. Well, it's just like, just because you get divorced doesn't mean it's fixed. <laughs> yes. You still have to do your work. Mm -hmm. Like it is not a magic pill. You walking away and burying your head in the sand is not a solution. <laughs> right. But it's terrifying to do otherwise. Yeah. You know, especially when all of society is telling you it's your fault. This is your fault. This happened to you. If you're suffering, it's your fault. And really, 
it's nobody's fault. No, it, that's so true. It, it is nobody's fault. Everybody, I really truly inherently believe that everybody does the best job that they can with what they've been given. And if we can all start to come more from that space, and we don't always make the best choices and we don't always respond in the best manner. But if you continue, because we have to remember, if we keep bringing the stories from our past into the present moment, all you do is recreate them. So can we have to remember that we are the creators of our lives. But how so, do you remember that while your body is ready to explode? And that's the trick. I get a lot of women who come to me and they're like, yes, this is great advice, but I can't remember this when I am in the grips of it. And a lot of people can't. And that's yeah, but I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell everybody watching this that you just keep doing it because I am now to a point, it was really fascinating to me this week how when a normal pattern came at me and I realized I had a trigger inside. So a, a trigger inside is about you, not them. And so I sat there and my big piece was this is where you shifted to compassion because everybody is showing up in the best way that they possibly can, mm -hmm. that it, it has nothing to do with the actual words coming out of the person's mouth. Mm -hmm. And just go back to what do I want to create and what do I want as an outcome to this mm -hmm. and have your response system be from that as opposed to then pulling it down to a different vibrational level. Mm -hmm. So that space comes in time. And, and now that I'm there, it's fascinating to me how well it works that I can now see these patterns and go, Hmm. And, and it was, it was fun to even watch after the fact of everybody left happy, you know, and it was just like, interesting, mm -hmm. you know? And then there was part of me that's like, Oh, did I like, you know, did I question myself? And I'm going, I feel like a free bird. I did exactly the right thing. And because I knew that from the get go, that that would give me the sense of freedom that I wanted because the only person I want to be fiscally responsible for is myself and my kids. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Not, I don't want to be fiscally responsible for employees. They have to exchange time for money. You know, and because remember, we, we have people that work for us. We have neighbors, we have family members that are all in these relationships with us that are all in essence doing some version of the same thing for us to evolve. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. Mm -hmm. You know, when I first started my business, I remember that I had one of my friends from college who actually worked with me. And the whole time she worked with me, she made more money than me because I was the entrepreneur and she was the employee. And it was like, what the hell was I thinking? You know, but it was just like, like I wanted somebody with great expertise to come work with me. And, but I negotiated myself away in the process. Mm -hmm. And when I look at from, from business to personal, to um, even in romantic relationships, it was the same patterns. They didn't change. Mm -hmm. And you feel really good right now because you've left, you've put those chains down, which is always what's supposed to happen. Right. And you remember that sometimes when you've made decisions, everybody's come after you. <laughs> well, so people in the world don't want you to change because they would like you to keep showing up the way that you're showing up, even if they don't consciously know that. 
because that gets their needs met because you're the jerk when you don't meet their needs. And when I started to like, at first, when I started doing, I started apologizing, like, I'm sorry, I really just have to like take care of myself. And, um, and I, you know, I'm the second oldest of 12 kids. I know how to take care of people and, um, not an easy thing to do when you first start stepping into it. And people on some level think you're the big jerk when you start to actually take care of yourself. And, and I don't think it ever comes from a malice place. It's just that you train people how to treat you. And how do you want to be treated? Well, then train them a different way. Like, Right. Even if you're peeing yourself and even if your body's shaking for an hour and a half and even if you're crying while you're doing it, you know, right. one of the hardest things was to show up authentically in my emotion, mm-hmm. which was I'm going to let you see me puking over the toilet while I'm trying to hold my boundary. Yeah. And then they've got no empathy for that because they're mad. They don't care. And here you are vulnerable and open and exposing yourself. But the gift that happens is whether they ever do anything differently or not, what happens is, is you were true to you. You didn't hold on to it. And then it turned into cancer. Didn't it right. turn into breast cancer. Didn't turn into liver cancer. Didn't turn into fibromyalgia. Didn't turn into rheumatoid right. arthritis. You test the patterns earlier on, then you transform your physical reality. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, um, you know, that's what happens in being present in the moment and trusting that even though your voice is shaking and even though your back's locked up, you know, and you feel paralyzed that standing there and honestly saying what you feel is one of the hardest things to do. You you get choked up, you start to cough, you start to sneeze, you get to the floor, you know, and then everybody humiliates you for doing that. Right. That's so true. And, you know, it's interesting, like uh, one of the biggest things, you know, that I try to teach these days, whether it's to clients or to my kids or whomever, is that it's super important for people to hold healthy boundaries uh, for a safe environment. Right. So like even if it's at work, it's like um, it's interesting, you know, I've had people come to work for me and they've just been like pulverized by other financial firms because they're not up to snuff and they're like, if you're anything except mighty and bold, you're a piece of shit in a lot of financial firms. And, um, and it's been interesting to me that I hold a container that allows people to grow. And, um, and it's interesting because I've had enough employees say that over the years that I'm like, okay, so you have anxiety, big deal. I'm like, you're really freaking smart. And uh, once in a while you kind of lose your shit because you have anxieties. But um, last time I checked, nobody's perfect. And they're so grateful that somebody held the container for them to grow and to flourish. And it's no different than holding the container for my kids, right? Like there are, there are households out there and I've met people through the years where they just got pulverized by their family in their homes. And I'm like going, wow, we had a lot of stuff going on with the 12 brothers and sisters, but mom always made that a safe container. Right. Oh, and you got pulverized. Yeah, and you, it, held, you had a consequence. Yeah. You didn't hold a safe container. Like yes. the, the line in our house growing up was there's nothing thicker than blood. You have each other's back. You hold that container. 
And I was like, at the time I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, (laughs) being a kid, but I totally understand that now. And it's fascinating to me how many people don't, did not have that safe container in the homes that they grew up in. Right. And that's, that's actually more common than you would think, you know, and one of the hardest things is when people's mothers betray them, Mm. when their mother has mental illness. I mean, I've got a, a woman that I work with as she was growing up, her mom would get into bed with her and whisper in her ear every negative thing about her. You're never going to be anything. You're never going to make it. You're never going to achieve anything. You don't deserve to be. As she was growing up in her own bed mm. to have someone whispering, your mother whispering to you. And, you know, it can work the other way, too, right? Like I, I said, I always say to my kids, I'm like, you got this. You're super smart. And then I'll never forget when the fourth child was going to school, kindergarten, he was like, I'm so dumb. I'm so stupid. And the one right older than him goes, nope, mom's explained this to us plenty of times. We're not stupid because we came out of her body and she's really, really smart. So that automatically makes us smart. So we're smart. So even though you're trying to tell yourself that story, you're actually extremely smart. And whatever you believe is what you achieve. And so the complete opposite of what this other woman you're talking about, it's like, how are we speaking to others that I think that's another part about when you're speaking your truth. It's like, we have to understand that we live in a hologram. What you are verbally putting out there is actually ricocheting back at you. Right. So if you're calling somebody, you know, names and all this other stuff. And even if it's for good reason, um, you, you have to understand vibrationally, you're putting that out there and vibrationally, that's what's coming right back at you. Yeah. A lot of people don't know what they're thinking inside their head and they mm. don't know until they're cornered and suddenly they're blurting it out. Right. You know, it's and true. so we have, you know, the critic in our head, we have that negative feeling and we don't even recognize it because we yeah. think we're reacting. Right. It's, it's, that's why it's important to have that ritual every day where you take time to love yourself because nobody else is doing it. You have to love you. And if you grew up in an environment, you know, and before the age of eight, there was a lot of verbal abuse or emotional abuse or, or, or trauma or something like that going on. You're carrying it with you. Right. And you have to go back and parent yourself through that time. Mm. Give yourself the affirmations, even though everybody's telling you that you're the one that's wrong and you're the one that needs to control. Right. Because that's what narcissists do. Narcissists point the finger and they blame everybody else. And women who were raised to endure sexual harassment, emotional harassment, physical harassment, when they were raised that that's just what women need to endure because that's the way that it is. Right, they'll go. Yeah, then we keep behaving that way. We're in adults and our bodies are saying that it's absolutely wrong. Can you imagine going against the Catholic church a hundred years ago? (laughs) My grandparents told my parents that because my dad married a Lutheran, even though she converted to Catholicism, he married a Lutheran. My, my grandparents priest told them they had to write a letter to my parents and tell them that they weren't welcome because my dad was marrying a Lutheran. Well, and there's also way too many people that are out there that um, are 
have these upbringings when, when they tried to speak their truth, whatever religion that they are in tried to tell them that their truth was not their truth and that they needed to conform to this other truth that was outside of themselves and not inside of themselves. Yeah. I had a hard and, time when I was being raised Catholic because on the one hand, they're in the pulpit saying all these wonderful things. And on the other hand, you know, I'm getting molested. So, I mean, how do you, how, how do you rectify that? You know, and and you don't typically until you finally get yourself into a safe space, until you finally start listening to yourself. But it's only a few of us who are saying this. Everybody else is saying, lean into it, do more, be more, you know, be yeah, more. So you can, you know, it's, let's talk about that, can we? Because of the fact that, so it's on the wrong fuel. I keep telling people so I think another way to trust again um, is to source the right fuel for creating your life. Yes. Because the fuel for my year, so those of you who know my story that, you know, after me doing my work, um, realized that I was sexually molested by a Catholic priest that was a family friend that also got other family members. And it all was about the fact that because predators, they, they preyed on my grandmother who was pregnant with baby number six and her, my grandfather had just died and he got one of my uncles. And then this priest, my grandmother was so grateful for this priest to take care of her kid while she was giving birth to another baby when her husband's six feet under. This guy just like had a field day with a few of us family members. And it was like, so that wired into me that I was not enough because I tried to communicate that that was going on. I wasn't believed because it was a priest. Kind of sounds like the Sandusky and Penn State stuff, right? Nobody believes them, right? And But then you were told that then the fuel that fueled my life, and I've realized this now that I accomplished so much because I was trying to find this internal satisfaction to finally feel like I was enough, but I was chasing something that would never ever get there and that it only was going to lead to my physical body breaking down. And I am successful in everything that I've done, but it was wrong fuel. It was the wrong fuel. It wasn't based on my heart's desire per se. Like my heart was somewhat involved because I, I absolutely love what I do for a living right now, but it was based on fuel that was burning me out. And so I was always trying to prove that I was enough to clients, even at my own cost. I would work 80 hour work weeks, you know, and it's like, what the hell? You know, I was trying to prove I was enough to my ex-husband by providing for the family and doing more and, you know, taking care of everything and paying for nannies when he was an at-home dad. And because I was just doing more, it's like, you can't just keep doing more to try to prove that you're enough. And so it wasn't until I shined the light on it. And then started speaking about it and talking about my healing on it all. Then I felt like I was enough. Yeah. When you started to be enough for yourself, when you started right. to show up for yourself and give yourself that time and prioritize yourself and say, I'm standing up for myself, even though I may get some repercussions for this. And it's funny. I still have people to this day going... Julie, I think you're just making up that story about Father Mayday. And I'm like going, are you fucking kidding me? And I'm like, well, you can believe whatever you want to believe because you know what? I understand my truth and you're just pissed off that I'm not showing up in the world for you anymore. 
Well, and a lot of people the trauma's over. Yeah, a lot of like, people don't understand how harmful sex abuse is. They're just like, well, nothing really happened. I mean, it's not like they did anything. It's not like, you know, you were passed around in a brothel. Right. You know, it's it seems like it's no big deal, but the problem is is the abusers, sex abusers abuse small children going against society completely because they are so conflicted inside. They've got a lot of emotions going right. on that they're right. pressing down. Children, right. we're absorbing it. We're hearing it. We're feeling it. But yeah, we, our we nervous systems it. can't handle it. And so sex abuse sets you up for the rest of your life until you work on it of feeling really crazy. Right. And it also is the fact that I, I just was listening to something online that if you were in the womb and your mom was being abused while she was pregnant with you, that becomes your basis because you're hearing the the cries, the sobbing, and you're feeling her nervous system. And then that becomes part of your nervous You've system. you got the chemicals rushing through you, wiring you to make you more susceptible to being high anxiety. Right. You know, right. So it's, it's nobody's fault. No. You have to stop letting our insecurities and our fears rule our life. We have to stop the story. It's a story. Like we have to realize, yes, is it, is it truth? Did it happen? Absolutely. But you have to stop the story from being the basis of your life. Yes. And so let's just sum it up here. I want to make sure. So this is about how do you trust again? So we've talked about a lot of stuff. So it's about start to meditate, right? Find that space. Um, and look at things like uh, Kelly Holland. I'll put the link below to do these meditation stuff while you're sleeping. Creating boundaries. I was going to say one of the best books on that is um, Boundary Boss. I, I love that book on there. I'll put the link for there below too. Um, number three was create space, you know, um, because we need to go get mad. So maybe it's creating space. I had somebody tell me to give my kids a tennis racket and just beat their mattress in their bedroom because they were so mad mom and dad were getting divorced and that worked like a charm because right. I'm teaching it's them to physical. go ahead and go get mad. Yes. Emotions are physical and they need yep. to be released. They need to be expressed in a way that doesn't land you in jail or destroy your life. Exactly. And then number four was speak your truth. Even if your voice shakes or you're sweating or you're crying or you're peeing in your pants. Oh yeah. Oh, because yeah. When you first speak your truth, it's going to be the worst time and you're going to have the worst physical reaction, but it gets easier and easier every time you do yes, like, it. Does every time. Exactly. Right? exactly. And number five is to remember that you are the creator of your life and um, your emotions do create the physical realities you have. And I'm going to put a link below to Louise Hayes book, heal your life, because that's another great one. Um, and, uh, uh, let's see. I had number six that you have to have the right fuel to create your life. Like it's not about you're not enough button or you're not worthy or you're not loved. It's like, okay, it's time to operate from the world of a new fuel, the fuel that you are enough and that you are worthy and that you are loved. Any others that you would add to that list of six that we've gone through today, Rita? Those are more than enough for people. I think <laughs> I think so too. it's more than enough to get started. Yeah. And Rita, how do people get a hold of you? Because you're you're amazing on the relationship side. Thanks. Um, RitaHickmanCoaching.com is the best way. Or if you do a YouTube search or a Facebook search or a Google search, my information's everywhere. I'm easy to find. Excellent. 
And those of you who have seen, um, go to awakenyourwealthbook.com. I'm continuing to give my book away for free. You just have to pay for your own shipping. That way we're collaborating on the project. And don't forget to uh, subscribe, like, and hit that notification bell because we are here to help you and want you to create exactly the life that you desire. Thanks, Rita. Thanks, Julie. Bye, everybody. Bye. I'll talk to you later.